Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hi, I'm Joe Connolly. To introduce you to Scott Reckler, CEO and Chairman of RxR Realty, the owner of many of the largest office towers in New York City and the suburbs. Nobody has better knowledge of how work and business are now about to change than Scott Reckler. Scott, thank you for joining us. Joe, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. What percentage of office workers do you believe, based on what you're hearing from your tenants, will come back to the city? So we've been averaging about 10%, but I would say that ever since President Biden made the announcement that people will be able to be vaccinated by July uh, 4th, most of our companies have said they're coming back to the city. So we're starting to see people start coming back in June. And I would say by Labor Day, we'll have all of our uh, uh, companies back in our buildings, maybe not 100% capacity, maybe with some hybrid work, uh, but they'll be back and starting to explore the new normal and, uh, and fully engaged. And that hybrid, though, as I understand what a lot of business owners are saying, especially in Manhattan, will create maybe a 40 or 50 percent reduction in total foot traffic over the week, which will have a big impact, right? Yeah, I think it's probably more like 20 percent of foot traffic, because what we're hearing is there's some percentage of the workforce, let's call it 10 to 15 percent, that's going to be in full time. There's another 10 to 15 percent that could work remotely. And then the balance may not be in one day a week where they may work remotely for that for that one day. But it's, so it's clearly going to be some difference, which means we're going to have to reimagine, um, you know, what our downtowns are like to have less traffic on a day to day basis. I read that you said someplace that the relationship between the city and the suburbs is about to change. How, how so? Yeah, I, I think there's a um, a realization that uh, there's an interconnected ecosystem, both within a city, in our city, and within our region. And if you look historically, there's been moments in time where the the city had urban flight and people went to the suburbs, and then people in the last number of decades were flying were coming to the city. Uh, I think this time there's going to be much more of a interconnected expansion, and that you'll have more people that might be working in satellite offices or remotely in the suburbs have a, a quality of life that's more affordable, uh, more open space, uh, but then be able to come to the city when they want to be in the city and interconnect with these companies. So in this recovery, I would expect that both the city and the suburbs to recover uh, uh, collectively. 
So it sounds like you see the possibility of a win-win for the suburbs and the city, or does that go too far? No, I, I do think that it could be a win-win. I think, listen, I think we have to realize that coming out of this pandemic, that what existed in the past is not going to be what existed in the future. And we need to start uh, reimagining a post-pandemic playbook, both on a public policy standpoint, as a private sector, a business person, big business and small business, to address that. And when you think about um, as people start to grow their businesses on, on a moving forward basis, they got to look towards where can they get their workforce, that talent that lives in the suburbs that then can come to the city, and that's some that work in the suburbs and live in the suburbs. And so it's, it's reimagining that for the future. One more question before we get to producer Neelay Caruso. Will some office towers really be converted to apartments? Yeah, so I think one of the byproducts of, of COVID is there's been this flight to quality, and it's been an accelerant for so many different things. We had 10 years of, of, of innovation in 10 months, and so that's been some good things. And then there's been some things that were already becoming less competitive, have accelerated that lack of competitive. So there's some office buildings, and there's frankly some retail buildings and hotels that just will not be competitive in a post-COVID world. And so the, the right thing to do in that instance is, is to convert them to multifamily. The other benefit of that is if we have less people in our CBDs, as you noted before, because they may be not in the office as much. Central business district. Central business district, right? This will enable these communities to thrive by having more people not just work there, but live there. And we have a great example. Look what happened in lower Manhattan post 9-11, right? We intentionally said we're gonna make this a 24 seven live, work and play community. And that's how it's been rebuilt. So it's now not just a nine to five people coming in on the train and leaving. It's active. It's alive. It's energized. And that's what New York's all about. And so we're going to have to get through that process in Midtown as well. Some of these buildings on the side streets might make cool low rise office buildings or townhouses or apartments on the side streets. Absolutely. Or, you know, either, you know, low rise uh, office buildings or just full conversions into new multifamily uh, buildings. And if you think about it, one of our challenges in New York City has been affordability of housing. So if we can add more supply by taking office buildings or hotels or retail that's no longer competitive and replacing it with housing, we're going to actually be able to help support uh, uh, our housing markets by creating a lower cost of housing. Neil. So Scott, um, permit leases recently hit a monthly record. I'm wondering, you know, as people return to the offices, will that uh, be seen in the commercial real estate market? What do you think? Yeah, the great point, Neil. And, and, and the, really the leading indicator to recovery for New York City is the talent pool, right? What, what drives New York City's economy is people, the best and brightest from around the world, want to come live here and work here. And what we've seen since the beginning of this year is record levels of uh, leasing of apartments, and for sale housing uh, in New York City, which is again, a, a gives me confidence that people believe in the future of New York. They're coming here, they're renting because they plan to work here. And if they're here, the big companies that want to attract that talent and bring that talent in to grow their businesses are gonna be here as well. So it's a great leading indicator as to what's to come. Scott, you're also the chairman of the Regional Plan Association. How do you see the tri-state in being competitive in this post-pandemic economy? This is the, the key for the tri-state uh, region is having that quality of life that attracts that talent. And, and so we, we need to make sure that we are providing um, the lifestyle, the infrastructure, 
the public safety, um, the level of restaurants and small businesses and character and diversity that is New York. And, um, and so, and we have to do that at a price that people can afford. And, uh, and so I think that that is what's going to be competitive. And that's what's made us competitive historically, right? I mean, after 9-11, after Superstorm Sandy, after the great financial crisis, people have written off the obituaries and say people are going to leave New York. And people come back to New York because of that excitement, that quality of life. But we can't take it for granted. We have to invest in our small businesses. We have to invest in that diversity. And we have to be careful that we don't overtax people, that the cost to live here is too great versus uh, the benefits of living here. Jim? Early in the pandemic, I heard a lot of talk about satellite office buildings in the suburbs, which you referenced a few minutes ago. But I've heard almost nothing about satellite locations other than people working from home or at a WeWork type of a place. I haven't heard of large office park developments of satellite locations. Is that so or is that in the works or what? Yeah, Joe, it's a good point. It's it, it started where many companies were thinking about, do we start opening satellite offices that are closer to home? But then they quickly realized that they need to bring people back to the workplace, right? This is about bringing people back so they can build culture, um, they can have mentorship, collaboration, a sense of community, um, and, and, and create that corporate value set that makes their team members feel part of something bigger. And you're not gonna get that if everyone's in different satellite offices. So I think the pivot has been more about remote work. And if you're working remotely, you may work from home or you might work in a, a, a flexible office space that, that is, is close to your home so you don't need to come in uh, into the office. And even we're building now multifamily properties that actually have as an amenity, flexible office places, spaces that our residents can actually rent for the day or meeting spaces they can rent for the day versus actually coming into the city. Have you changed the interiors of many of your high-rise towers in Manhattan? So, you know, we, we haven't changed the uh, interiors specifically, but, you know, we're, we're, as you focus on this flight to quality, what attracts people to not work from home and come to the office? It's that sense of energy, it's light and air, it's a focus on being comfortable that their health and wellness is being considered, which means you need to have the right uh, infrastructure in place to, to assure that you want to have close proximity to public transportation. Um, and you want to be in a community that outside the building is energizing, right? It's, it's, you know, it's something that you feel good about being part of. You go to that local restaurant, you go to that local store, there's people on the streets. That's what's going to drive people there. And so we've been focusing on making sure that our buildings are magnetic, right? Magnetically bringing people to want to come to the workplace, to want to be part of, of, of returning to uh, to the city. And, and the fortunate thing is most of our buildings are Class A, well-located around Grand Central, subway stops, Times Square, a lot of activity and a lot of energy. But it's the Class B, more commodity buildings that we referenced earlier that I think are going to be challenged to be able to adapt to this new normal in this post-COVID environment. Are people actually going to work from home part-time or even some people working from home long-term? So you know, the genie's out of the bottle that we've learned that we can actually work uh, remotely using video conferencing. So the goal needs to be now, how do we get the best of working in the workplace with your peers and building values and, 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 uh, and culture and, and collaboration and how do we use the benefits of remote work 
selectively to create a better quality of life. So you don't necessarily need to make that commute or you can live a little bit further away from, from the city. Or if you have something going on with your family, you can work from home. Or if you're not feeling great, you can work from home. So every company that I'm speaking to is trying to figure out what that's going to be. Everyone has a hypothesis. No one is certain of what the outcome is going to be. So my 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 sense is, is that people are going to bring people back based on what they're uh, they, they believe is the right approach, set some new policies, and then they're going to monitor it for the next you know, 12 months or so. And then they'll start adjusting as to what's really working and what's not working. And it's going to depend on the job, right? If you're working in a call center, you can work remotely because most of the work you're doing is online, can be monitored online. You don't have that much collaboration. But if you're a salesperson or a manager, you, you know, if you're trying to ideate with new new concepts, you need to be in the office. You know, a great way to think about remote work is you can play defense if you're working remotely. As a company, you cannot play offense working remotely. Um, and that's something we've seen over the last, you know, number of months with the, with our all of our clients. And that's why they're keen on getting people back to the workplace because they need to play offense to grow their companies at this time. About the subway, it gets so discouraging to hear the news recently what do you think should be done? Do you think the city will get back control of the crime and other problems in the subway? So, you know, the, the subway situation um, obviously is critical, right? Because to really bring the city back, we're a city that's based on a a, a vibrant 24-7 public transit system, and the subway is, is that lifeline. Um, I, th- I think the answer is uh, we need more police uh, presence down in the subway. The good news is the city, I think, I just recently increased it by about 10%. And we need more people. And that's on the subway and our streets, right? It's, it's challenging to actually um, not have to, to be to avoid and, and the crime and have public safety if you don't have people on the streets, people in the subway. So the more people come back, the more police presence there are in the critical areas, um, I think that will work itself through uh, uh, as we go forward. And probably the last piece I'll just say is there are people that have mental illness, right? That uh, And then as we've had to deal with moving people out of our homeless shelters that need help. And so I think we need to also focus about providing those people with help, getting them off to a street, off the street and off out of the subways where they can get that help. And all these issues are intertwined. I mean, it really impacts those business districts. Um, I wonder how do you, uh, what would you advise a small business owner on a brick and mortar plan? You know, they're looking to expand the retail shop. What, what would you advise them? Well, first, I, I would say um, don't be a prisoner of the past. Be a pioneer of the future. Don't try to think about what you did in the past. Think about how you're now going to be able to outperform in this post-COVID world. And you got to give a lot of the small business owners a tremendous amount of credit for their uh, their innovation, their entrepreneurship to actually make it through COVID. And you think about how many have moved on the restaurant side, um, outside dining, or the small shops in terms of, of bringing their products online. Uh, or the uh, or, or or creating um, you, know, you know new ways to attract customers and, and and products. So I think we need to continue to be more innovative um, and recognize that there's going to be a new way of of doing business uh, as we go forward. And I think we as a as a public have a civic responsibility to support them. Right? We should be yep. we should be shopping locally. We should be dining in our our neighborhood uh, uh, restaurants, uh, and we should be supporting our local businesses. Uh, as as we go forward and take it as a civic responsibility. Just, you know, this is something if New York's going to come back. We all got to be behind it. And New York's not New York without a thriving small business community uh, and the diversity and character that, that comes with it.
Yeah, when you see the old photos of the 80s or 90s, you see all these local shops. It looks so different from now, and you realize that's how I think of New York with the multiplicity of these local businesses. My last question about the tech industries. Sometimes it seems, Scott, like the tech companies are operating in an economy of their own. What is the situation, as you know, with the strength and future of the technology companies? Yeah, so, you know, one of New York's greatest advantages is that we are the beacon for knowledge-based companies, right? If you're a knowledge-based company, whether that's tech, whether that's pharmaceutical, life sciences, or financial, the, the, the ingredient that enables your business to thrive is talent, right? That's, that's the most important resource. And we're that place that has that talent. And so when you look around the rest of North America, frankly, there's no other uh, place in the world like New York City that has the depth, has the diversity of talent and expertise uh, that we have. And so as I speak to tech execs, as I speak to farmer execs, as I speak to life sciences or financial service firms, they realize that their growth is predicated on having a major presence in New York. And one of the things we watched carefully in the beginning of the, the pandemic is what were these companies doing? The ones that were making big commitments, were they sticking to those commitments? And the answer is yes. Pfizer, Google, Disney, uh, Amazon, they're all growing. JP Morgan, they're building big campuses uh, in New York City, and they plan on growing here for, for decades to come. So while we've had a challenge through getting through COVID, now that the vaccinations are coming out, the streets are coming back alive, the restaurants are reopening, uh, we have, you know, the Broadway is going to reopen. I, I just think New York's going to come back better and stronger. That being said, I think we also need to make sure that we pay attention to the small businesses and those that may have not participated in this big upswing to make sure they have the benefit uh, to be part of this economic uh, rebound that we're going to have. I'm sorry, I do have to ask you one more. Real estate prices, home prices in the suburbs. Have they peaked? Are they going to come down? What is the outlook there for people who want to buy? You know, there's been a shortage of home development um, for for decades around this country, right? And 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 the suburbs in particular, um, you know, had had been actually seeing declines for quite some period of time. And so there is now this new demand, um, but there's not a lot of new supply. So I would expect to see still strong home prices uh, in the suburbs. Maybe not the spike we've seen during. Uh, COVID, um, but I think that there, there is more of a desire for people to have, um, you know, homes in the suburbs and uh, and are now actively in that marketplace. And, you know, we've seen in the projects that we have in our suburban uh, communities, tremendous demand. Now, not everything is the same, right? I think we still are seeing a demand, even in the suburbs, what I call suburban urban, suburban downtowns, or, or live, um, uh, you know, sort of lifestyle type places where you can you know, have their fully service type lifestyle locations that are sort of a mix of what you would get in the city, but also get the benefits of being in the suburbs. Scott, thank you for your insights into how we are going to live and work. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.